Welcome to Managing Marketing, and this week I'm joined by Susie Shaw, CEO of We Are Social. Welcome, Susie. Thank you, Darren. Susie, um, you wrote a terrific uh, article for the blog about CEOs of organisations being the public face of companies. Mm -hmm. And we've had such a great uh, interest in that article. There's been a lot of social sharing, a lot of uh, readership. Why do you think it's such an interesting topic for people? Well, firstly, it's, it's great to hear that it has been well read um, because I think it's something that people should be engaging in. I think CEOs should be engaging and I think people who are responsible for the reputation of an organisation should be engaging. So I'm pleased to hear that it's, it's pricking up people's ears. The reason I think people are engaging is because I think generally social media is having a big impact on the world, not just the world of marketing, but I think every individual knows themselves how much social media they're consuming. So I think people are becoming aware of how important it's becoming simply from a reach and awareness perspective. And for that reason, I think CEOs are tuning in. They also know how influential it can be. You know, mm. social media is becoming the, pu the biggest publisher that we have globally. You know, Facebook's becoming the new network and uh, publishers like The Guardian or, or um, The Australian, they're actually having to pay money to Facebook simply to distribute their content. And so it's, it's, it's simply becoming more and more influential. And I think for that reason, people are, are sitting up and, and paying attention to it. And I think one of the powers of social media is in the name itself, and that's the social part. I mean, it, it's such a powerful way of connecting and sharing information amongst people you either know or respect or want to follow, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I, I, used, I really think about social as word of mouth. Word of mouth has always been powerful, mm. but what social has done is supercharged it because it's created a marketplace, a really efficient marketplace for amplifying word of mouth. So people can go there and have conversations that will be overheard by big groups of people. And the brilliant thing is that social enables you to target those conversations to the audiences that you want to hear them. And, mm. and so it's just created this really super marketplace for having those overheard conversations. It's interesting because not all social networks are the same, are they? No. I mean, I noticed uh, journalists especially are very big on Twitter. Yeah. And more about finding out what's going on than necessarily sharing their stories. Mm. Um, but then Facebook is different again. And um, uh, what else is there? LinkedIn for business. And, and, uh, and Snapchat is, uh, seems to be on the rise as well. Absolutely. Yeah, all the social networks are different. I think that the social is maturing. So um, I think it'd be tough to start a, a big successful social network today because some of the social networks that exist already have captured such a strong hold on the market that there is a limit to how much attention consumers have. So they can't be taking on too many more platforms. But those that have emerged and have become strong have become strong because they offer something really powerful to both consumers who want to spend their precious time consuming content on those social networks and to advertisers and brands who want to reach those audiences. So, you know, there's more momentum in businesses, in some of these social media businesses than there are in any mainstream traditional publishers. 
because they've captured a, an audience, that audience is spending a lot of time in those platforms, and they have created functionality that enables a level of sophistication around targeting that's really, really impressive. Because mm. social media you know, is such a powerful way of communicating. I'm, I think we're both uh, uh, examples of people that use it both professionally and personally. But I was reading an article in Fortune magazine, and you know, they looked at the Fortune 500 in the US, and only a handful of CEOs, even in the US, which is sort of social media mad compared to, say, a market like Australia, are, are using social media in a professional sense, mm. in the way that you were extolling in the article yeah. that you wrote. Yeah, it's Why do you think that is? Why, why does it seem that CEOs especially, not just in Australia, but you know, everywhere, seem to have trouble understanding the role it has or the benefit it has? I think there's a few reasons. Number one, they're most likely digital migrants rather than digital natives. So it's, it's not potentially a natural thing for them. They might not be as heavy users of social media as some of the younger people in an organisation, for one. Yeah. Um, for two, so, the, so they might not be as confident. They might not have recognised personally the value of it yet. For two, I think there's some anxiety around doing the wrong thing because the really salient examples of whether it be CEOs or public figures in organisations um, who have a strong profile in social, uh, th there's two sort of really salient examples, types of salient examples. One is those that are really impressive, have a really strong social profile, seem to be witty, have great con content, living exciting lives. And then the second is where it goes horribly wrong. And they're, yeah. they're the two things that spring to people's So the celebrity minds. CEO yeah. and then the doofus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which you might put Donald Trump in that camp. But um, th that's, that's where I think there's some anxiety about whether they might be able to live up to the, the celebrity CEO sta status yeah. or whether they might fall into the camp of doofus. And, um, you know, they're, they're both things to think through to make sure that you can, you know, you achieve your objectives. Um, but you, there is, there are real benefits yeah. to using social uh, for a CEO and uh, primarily around building a pro building profile. You know, yeah. it helps many organisations to have a high-profile CEO, but also about building trust. Yeah, because you get to know the individual. But one of the things, um, I, I was belonged to a CEO institute, council, I think it was called, and um, talking to CEOs of even medium-sized companies, they were really hesitant about what they saw was a loss of privacy, which just blew me away. Mm. You know, they said, oh, social media, you know, you're putting everything out there. Mm. And uh, they couldn't get their head around this concept of curating mm. your messages for social media. They seemed to think it was like, uh, you know, Facebook and you had to put the photos of you getting drunk on the weekend on your second bottle of, you know, Bordeaux or something. Uh, you know, why, why do you think, is that the not being digital natives? It could be. I mean, in some ways it's, it's a little bit egotistical, you know, to think that everyone cares about you, you know, <laughs> watching you get drunk. But I think the reality is we would advise any um, corporation or individual that you need to have a strategy and you need to be clear about why are you using social. And this goes for the individual. And people do this, even if it's unknowingly, but you need to have a strategy. Why am I doing this? And then you need to think about, well, what am I, what's the, the, the um, what am I trying to portray? What's the brand, I guess, brand me that I'm trying mm. to portray? How am I trying to position myself? And as part of that, what's the strategy? What do I talk about? What do I show? Who am I spending time with? And, 
if you have a, a selection of platforms that you use, you might decide, well, you know, Facebook's my, my platform for communicating and sharing with my friends, whereas LinkedIn's my professional platform. It's not the case that everything needs to be open and everything needs to be public or that you use every platform in the same way. Mm. And I think most savvy social users will have figured that out. Um, but, you know, some people probably just need a bit of education about how you can set some privacy settings, put them on, or, you know, make sure you've got a focused strategy around which channel you use for what reason. So as part of um, the work that We Are Social does, we, obviously there's a component of that of working with organisations and, uh, and also their CEOs. Where would you suggest a CEO would start? if they were going to look at their so you know having a social media presence that fits with their business strategy yeah so you would start by developing a strategy in the same way you would for any sort of communications you'd say mm. why am i doing this what are the objectives you would say who's my audience who am i trying to reach and go about the process of figuring out in that case what's the best platform and and how do i reach that audience and i think where we talked before about the anxiety around saying the wrong thing. The reality is the biggest risk for any CEO is that they don't capture an audience. So you've got to think about how do I create content or say things that are interesting and how do I outreach and make sure that I do build up an audience. So, so don't just get a Twitter account and uh, send the first, and I swear this is a CEO that I know, the first tweet was, this is a test, yeah. is anybody listening? <laughs> And then gave up because no one responded. Yeah. I think they thought it was email, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, some people do think of Facebook as email. And so on. you do have to understand understand the platforms. But, yeah, that's, that's the important thing is thinking about how you build up that audience. And most often you, are, you get success in that by engaging with the audience uh, that you're going after. Plus, you know, it's a reciprocal thing. You follow, they follow. So that growth strategy is very important to make sure you're reaching the right people and identifying who are the influencers. Who do you want to be retweeting your messages mm. or, or um, following you? One of the things we've noticed recently and, and sort of moving on from the CEO is organisations are now talking a lot to us about bringing social media management in-house. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be a real demarcation dispute between marketing and corporate affairs or corporate strategy. Mm. Um, have you got a point of view on that? Because I know it's it's one of those issues because corporate affairs is targeting you know shareholders and institutional investors and marketing is targeting consumers and customers mm. and so they've got different groups how do you bring those two together it's a really good question because social can have a role in the whole spectrum of communications within an organization we see um, businesses that want to use social for targeting consumers as a customer service channel or targeting a, a corporate audience, you know, for their corporate reputation, or even employee engagement. So it, it's right that lots of people in the organisation have a right to use it as a channel, and, and I can see why there's sometimes a battle for control of those channels. Mm. But I think an organisation needs to go through the process of developing the strategy so that you are segmenting your audience and using the right channels to target the right people. And then figuring out a collaborative and productive way of working together to make sure that the channels make sense. Because if, if someone follows you, let's say on Facebook, they need to know what they're there for. Are, mm. they, are they there to hear you know, 
a corporate um, party line or are they there to engage with the brand? And if, if the two things need to happen, you probably need separate channels mm. because otherwise you're going to give a schizophrenic view of that, that brand potentially. So, so, if I'm a, yeah, so if I'm a CEO in an organisation and I'm thinking of you know, using social media, I would then need to consider what my strategy was as to where I would go within the organisation to develop that strategy, you know, because if my strategy is to talk to investors and shareholders, that's going to be a very different strategy to talking to customers. Absolutely, absolutely. And when I think when we talk about the CEOs using social to build their profile and to help um, complement the reputation of the organisation, it probably is a corporate comms task rather than a, a brand and marketing task. Mm. Um, so yes, it is important to think about who's best being responsible for that. Um, it all comes down to defining the objectives. But often um, a CEO will find themselves sort of torn between the two. You know? And I think we've seen some uh, great examples in the last five, six years mm. where the CEO is giving what looks like good news to investors. We're cutting costs, we're laying off staff, we're, you know, and we're doing all that to get costs down. And at the same time, the consumer customer is hearing uh, less service, uh, you know, poorer quality, uh, less investment in me. Absolutely. That's why it requires coordination because if you're going out on social to, to deliver news or have a conversation with a particular constituency, you have to recognise that it could be overheard and, and that needs to be given consideration. But, you know, the same is true of, let's say, PR. You know, mm. the, the benefit of, of building up a social following is you are you are in control of when you go to market with a message and what that message is. How it's received, you can't control, but that's the same as PR. And, and also, you need to be prepared to respond if people want to engage with you on that issue. In contrast to if you're, if you're only reliant on PR to get your message out, you're then beholden to the media to determine when you can speak and what you can speak about and how that message will be reported. So at least with social, you can, you can have a bit more control, but at the same time, you have to be prepared to engage. Well, because the journalists are there on Twitter waiting for everything that they can pounce on and turn into a story, potentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they're still there. And also since the 80s, when you know, there was this big shift to getting mums and dads, you know, with Commonwealth Bank, um, Telstra, Qantas and the like, you know, a lot of shareholders today are also consumers. Absolutely. So this idea that you could segment them anyway... Um, is ridiculous. You know, whether you're using PR, mm. if something runs in the business pages of the Australian, the Fin Review, or even the Daily Telegraph, mm. it's going to be read by everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Same as social media. You can't really segment social media as well. Yeah, it can target people that you want to connect with. Yeah. But you could be connected to by a lot of people, especially on Twitter. Absolutely. You certainly need to be cognizant of the fact that you have to have a holistic view of your comms. You have to expect that if you go out there with one message in any channel, it could be heard and interpreted by another audience in a way that you don't necessarily want it to. You, you just have to have a more holistic view of, of, of your messaging and take into consideration a number of audiences when you, um, when you land a message. Mm. Because um, you know, beyond uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, there's also all these other um, social media um, channels and platforms that are popping up. You know, Pinterest was hot for a while. Um, uh, Tumblr as a, uh, a social blog, uh, blogging. 
um, and Snapchat. Mm. And that Snapchat seems to be getting a lot of uh, coverage for uh, marketers. Oh, yeah. Snapchat's going wild. It's seeing um, a level of growth and momentum that probably none of the other social uh, media platforms had uh, in their uh, relative stage of development. It is incredibly, um, it's got very high penetration and high daily usage amongst young teens and young adults, which is obviously a very hot audience for many brands mm. and marketers. Um, and I think that audience have a great deal of affinity for that platform. It's what it does, it does very, very well. And I think it's a, a bit of an enigma to a lot of brands at the moment. They can see that audiences are really using it heavily, but they're not quite sure how they're going to get in there with their advertising messages. So people are eager to get involved, but it's um, as yet a bit of an untested channel uh, from, an, uh, from an advertising perspective. But, you know, watch this space, it, it will happen. I think the other thing about Snapchat is one of my favourite follows is, is the White House on Snapchat. And I think it does, it's a really good example of the opportunity that exists for people like CEOs, where it's giving a behind the scenes view of the White House and helps to humanise it and helps to make it feel transparent and helps to make you feel close to what's going on with the, within the government. And I think it's a really good example of what's possible for corporations with mm. social media. But um, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there with Snapchat and, and lots of the other channels. You know, Pinterest is certainly not dead. No, and um, then we've got Periscope and yeah. uh, a stack of yeah. uh, live video streaming yeah. uh, uh, applications as well. And they'd all be included on social, you know, as part of social media, wouldn't Abs they? Absolutely. I mean, live, I think, is the next big um, innovation in social, you know. But as yet, I think it's a bit of a, a, in some ways, it's innovation without having yet found its perfect application but I think in the next year or two we will see huge growth mm. in the use of live to um, open doors to consumers whether that be through events or you know corporations just wanting to enable consumers to see and hear about what's going on you know open the doors get behind the scenes and, and really open things up for consumers one of the things to make it work is we're going to have to get rid of time zones. I'm sick of waking up in the morning and looking at Facebook and seeing Harvard Business Review and someone else have had a live session at uh, 3 a.m. and I missed it because yeah. I click on it and all it just sits there waiting to load the pre-recorded video. Yeah, it, it, it's not helpful when you're in Australia. Um, saying that, one of the brilliant things about most of those live um, in, uh, uh, technologies is that you can usually record it and then uh, keep that video uh, for later so mm. people who are in Australia and have missed the Harvard Business Review live stream should be able to watch it back. And oh you can, it just it. lacks the uh, interactive That's component right. yeah. which uh, you, know, you, you see other people interacting with it and yeah. you feel like you're having less of a um, an experience it's the most engaging of that experience. Yeah. That is that is the brilliance of live. Is it drives very high volumes of engagement because it's you know what what people seek today is is experiences and these shareable experiences that you can talk about. And watching a video is not really a shareable experience. Whereas I engaged with Sheryl Sandberg is something that you will probably remember for yeah. the rest of your life. And um, going back to Snapchat, one of the things is the immediacy of it, isn't it? Because mm. the content doesn't stay there forever. No, no. Um, so that's quite an interesting uh, sort of uh, way of thinking because most other social media, as you say, will will create the content and then stick it in some sort of timeline, be it Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook, mm. that you can go back to and refer to over and over again. Mm. Do you think it's part of that in the moment that makes it so popular? Absolutely. I mean, I think that is what 
teens and young people are loving about Snapchat is it's subverting everything else that's become the norm in social media about trying to project a perfect life. Snapchat doesn't require you to project a perfect life because it is ephemeral and it doesn't need to be orchestrated and it's very natural and, and casual and, and what's really going on in my life, but it's not leaving a digital footprint. So mm. I, there's no pressure. And there's no um, pressure to get likes or friends or whatever. It's it's all just about, it's just about communication and exchange of moments um, with with people. Now that's one I missed, Instagram. Yeah. Because, you know, Instagrams are very, obviously because of the platform, a very visual medium. Mm -hmm. And yet a lot of brands don't necessarily think visually to use it, mm. do they? Well, or do they? the brands that succeed are visual. Um, yeah. And whether that's because they've got a visual product or they've managed to create a visual language around the brand, that it is a, it is a, a, a table stake for Instagram. That, that is the content that does well. But... You know, it's surprising how many brands are doing very well on um, Instagram because they've adopted really good strategies. They recently changed their logo and there was all this um, outcry. I mean, it looks a bit pithy compared to the one that they had. But do you think, uh, you know, changing the logo makes a big difference? It got, it got noticed. It got attention. I think there was... Um, I think generally the world doesn't love change. So the, the fact that they changed in itself was a story. It's not an old company, so the, the mm. logo wasn't that old. I don't think anyone was expecting it. But I do think it modernises the, the, the brand and the business um, because the logo was obviously quite retro in style previously. Yeah. Um, for me, jury's out. I, I still feel a lot of love for the old logo and I, I miss it a little it, bit. It just simply as a PR piece, it seemed to be very successful because I don't think for about a week, and it was only last week, mm, wasn't it? Mm. And for a week, there were so many stories about, oh, they've changed the logo, they've changed the logo. In some ways, if you were a CEO of a company, you would love that sort of interest or buy-in in your brand that changing the logo would Absolutely. have such a big... Absolutely. That, that, I mean, that's the point, right? I think people care so much about these platforms. For number one, it's probably something we look at every day because it's probably on most people's home screen of their f smartphone. Number two, they're probably engaging every day and that's why they care because you've changed my window into my special world that I want to enter every day. And you're right, you know, many brands could only, um, you know, could learn a lot from the way that social media um, platforms uh, position themselves and engage with audiences because they've they've created a lot of love for what mm. they do. Um, have you uh, seen much use of the Chinese uh, social media app WeChat at all in this market? Uh, not a lot in this market, but it is a question that's coming up to us more frequently, both WeChat and Weibo. Um, yeah. So many brands are saying there's a growing um, base of Chinese people living in Australia and we would like to find ways to target them. Mm. It is challenging because um, you really need to speak in a native language on those channels and also there's a, um, being China, uh, it's quite restricted in terms of what you can promote on the channel. Mm. So um, it's a growing, uh, I think there's growing interest in it but I don't know how many brands have been successful in doing it. One of the things that uh, amazes me um, is that here's the Chinese have taken a social media platform because WeChat is, you know, it's a combination. There's some micro-blogging like uh, Twitter. There's uh, messaging. There's a little bit of Facebook 
you know, with a timeline or moments, I think they call it. And then they've built the whole thing on top of an e-commerce platform. Mm. And that seems to me such an amazing idea mm. because when you think of all of the other social media platforms, no one else has built a social media platform on top of a e-commerce platform, have mm. they? Mm. There's no one else doing it. No, but there has been quite a lot of talk about Facebook integrating, um, you know, booking capability into mm -hmm. the app. So I think if if it happens, Facebook will probably get there first. Um, but you're right. You know, WeChat's a very impressive platform. They've certainly got a stranglehold on a on a massive market. Mm. Um, I, I think it's 600 million Chinese are using it yeah. on a daily basis sure. and you can pay for taxis and book yes. restaurants and pay all sorts of things it's like having uh, apple pay on uh facebook with a bit of twitter you know it's yeah. all in one app yeah yeah i i would say facebook will develop in that way yeah um it's certainly uh, facebook's a, a powerful and dominant um uh player in the market absolutely you know, everyone else is trying to knock them off well, I mean, I don't know if anyone could even begin to think about... Oh, you mean knock them off, like imitate them? Yeah. Well, yes. Yes and no. I mean, I think Facebook, one of the things that's challenging for all the other um, platforms is that Facebook seem very fast with innovation. So in many ways, anyone who does come up with good innovation, Facebook are quite quick to, to copy that. So they're almost making redundant new, new and interesting emerging platforms like, you know, they've launched Masquerade. One of the best things about Snapchat is, of course, the filters and, and yeah. so on. And Facebook have been very quick to bring on um, innovation and technology that almost mimics that um, functionality. So I think actually Facebook are very fast and nimble when it comes to innovation. And a lot of the time bringing out functionality that you're not quite sure why you need it or want it. But um, I guess that's their strategy is they, they develop a lot, a lot of MPD, some things fly, some things don't, because all the testing and learning inside of a lab won't necessarily tell you what's going to fly with an audience or what's going to fly with an audience today versus how, you know, whether it will take off in a year's time. So mm -hmm. I think their, their strategy is good and impressive. They obviously invest a lot in making their um, platform better and better all the time. Yeah. And I think for that reason, they're, they're pretty hard to beat. And poor old Google, um, you know, there was Google Plus, which is sort of just hanging in there because it seems to add to the, uh, the algorithm, the search algorithm. But uh, they really haven't been able to crack social media, have they? Google Plus has not been a success, but I wouldn't say poor old Google. I think they're doing really, really well. <laughs> in the social media space, <laughs> not necessarily in search. Absolutely, but, you know, search is one of the most powerful marketing uh, uh, methods that yeah. exist and they do it incredibly well it's just getting better and better all the time and I think it's becoming if you do nothing else it's almost the number one tool for any for any business yeah um, and what's oh LinkedIn mm. you know LinkedIn's gone through a huge amount of change mm. and and some people are saying not so good but it's still the only business social media mm. platform isn't mm. it yes yeah I think they've been very effective. They were probably a slower build um, platform, but they've been very effective at capturing uh, the right audience, a committed audience, and subsequently, you know, it's a pretty expensive platform to advertise on it because they can guarantee you will reach the right audience. If you're targeting a professional audience, you can be sure that you'll get them there. And um, you know, it's it's got very like all the social networks. It's got really good content on there, so people enjoy spending time there, and and they they don't have to create that content. 
So it's it's very strong platform for that mm. reason. Though the, the criticism I've heard recently from people is that uh, there's so many people signing up to it that are using it uh, just to harangue um, sales calls. Yeah. Um, it, it seems to be one of the big challenges that they're facing. But you would still... Uh, Rate, rate it as a way of building your business profile? Absolutely. I think building an individual business, building your profile as an individual within mm -hmm. the professional environment, but also as a business. They're both, it's, it's a very, very effective tool for both those In that B2B things. area. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's becoming more spammy, but I think that will mean that people will become a bit tighter with their the way in which they engage with with people. Because mm -hmm. it's interesting, you, you mentioned spammy, because, uh, you know, in some ways, all of these social media platforms are evolving into more media and less social. You know, they've got to pay. Mm. They've got sorry, they've got to find a way to, to pay for this. Mm. And so you're seeing things like uh, sponsored posts, sponsored tweets, um, and, and increasingly the timeline or the experience is being more commercialised. Mm. Uh, do you think that's getting that balance right? Is obviously critical for them to to you know success it is critical to success because i think with social media consumers will a not engage with the brand or give it any of their attention unless that content that's being served is of some value to them unlike broadcast where you 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 cannot avoid the ads and you're probably sat back on the sofa and you're probably not going to be bothered to lean over and get the remote and switch over or turn it off in social you can very quickly move along and mm. so if a brand wants to reach an audience they really do need to create content that's going to add some value and, and engage um, but you're right these platforms have invested huge sums of money in building fantastic technology that we all love and they need to monetize that investment and so um, brand and ad funded content is is a reality it's just then down to the brands to make that um, the investment that they're going to make in reaching the audience pay off mm. by creating good content. Yeah. So um, going back to where we started from, you know, apart from the CEO, you mentioned a few other areas that businesses could be using any one of these platforms. Mm. I think it was um, uh, uh, staff engagement, employee yeah. engagement, uh, customer service. Um, what else? What other areas uh, do you see or regularly? work with your clients on? So corporate comms and reputation building and that sort of thing, um, customer customer service as you said, um, the whole spectrum of brand and marketing, so everything from building a brand right through to direct response, so an area we, we would call social CRM, you know, really mm -hmm. identifying the people you want to target and getting to them with sales messages and driving a direct response. Mm. Um, so yeah, very much across the whole spectrum of, of Marcom, social plays a role. But in, in many ways, because it's just so, so big in terms of reach uh, these days, and as we've talked about, really, really sharp in terms of targeting. Because mm. customer service is such a fast way to be able to change someone's perception of a brand. Yes. Um, you know, in that it becomes almost like customer experience. Mm becomes the brand builder mm. and uh, an example that still sticks with me but it's now a couple of years old is I was at uh, Surrey Hills at the Australia Post mm. and the service was really bad and I just I was standing there and I tweeted that it was really bad and within a minute I got Australia Post response saying we're working on it it should be you know should be adjusted soon and suddenly two more staff members turned up mm. and started clearing the um, the backlog of customers. Mm. You know, that responsiveness 
is such a great opportunity uh, for social media. But, you know, apart from, I think it's uh, Australia Post and maybe a couple of others, you don't see a lot of companies really investing in that, do you? Or is that changing? Is that is changing, is yeah. That? I mean, I th it's definitely changing. I think the example you just used is a great one because not only that's just good customer service. Mm. They heard you, they responded, and they improved the, the pace at which the uh, line was clearing. Um, but they did it in a forum that was actually quite public. So yeah. everyone you know was able to see how well they addressed your problem. The brilliant thing about that is using social is, A, it's, it's public. That can go both ways. You can yeah. see people get delivering good customer service or bad customer service. You can see if the customer was actually satisfied or not. But it's actually becoming a really efficient way to do to, to customer service. It's in many ways cheaper than having people on phones. Yeah. And um, it can be done uh, remotely. So uh, where we've had trouble in the past, um, particularly in Australia, people are keen on having Australian-based call centres. Mm. It's a lot easier to service customers from other markets when um, you're doing it via social. It's just that, uh, you know, the reason my perception is that it's not done a lot is there's a lot of uh, businesses that when you make a complaint, you don't get any response at all. That is just poor customer service. I mean, we will often talk to clients about um, how rapidly they should service complaints or queries on social media because I think you do need to think about it much like you would if an angry customer walked into a, let's say, a branch of a, of a bank mm -hmm. and started you know, telling you about their problem potentially quite in an aggravated way. If you left them waiting for two and a half hours they'd be pretty pissed off. And mm. I think really brands need to be thinking about it in the same way. Responsiveness shows a customer you've heard. It demonstrates what your customer service is like. It's this pace at which you respond is indicative of how good your customer service is. And really, you should be able to do it quite quickly. So um, there's no reason there's no reason not to. It just diffuses a problem if you can get back to a customer quickly. Assuming you're going to satisfy them with your resolution, but it, it can really help turn someone around from a detractor to an advocate when you respond quickly and satisfactorily. Especially the public nature, as you pointed out. You know, you, this is all happening in the public domain. Anyone can search it, anyone can find it. Um, it, it seems to me that uh, it's an area that perhaps if it's not seen by the organisation, if it's not seen by the CEO, then they believe it doesn't exist, perhaps. Potentially. I mean... That's, we, we do quite a lot of research on behalf of brands where we will use social data to help a brand understand what their reputation is mm. and, and how many people are talking about you because that's, of course, a big indicator. You might have really positive sentiment, but if only a few people are talking about you, you've probably still got a problem. So we'll look at you know volume of conversation, share a voice amongst your competitive set, your reputation. Um, what the key themes of, of um, positive or negative sentiment are to really help inform an organisation about where they stand in the world. And a lot of brands aren't using it. You know, we, we hear a lot talked about big data and, and our view is we're not even using small data and I'd call social data small data. We're not even using that yet to its potential. So let's put to one side that big data before we really start listening to what's being said out there and start thinking about how we use that insight. But yeah, you're right, you know, CEOs might be detached from that, but it's all there. If they mm. want to listen, if they want to tune in, it's very easy to um, tap that data. Because there's a lot of talk uh, going on at boards and, and the C-suite level around technology. Mm. It seems to me that, uh, you know, 
you've pointed out all of the different ways social media can actually be integrated into the way the business runs, mm. that it, a, a social um, listening and management platform would be one of the essential components of a stack, wouldn't it? Yes and no. What we're seeing is that the sources of data from social are becoming more and more, you know, there's more and more data becoming available. And as with all these things, just having the data doesn't necessarily give you the capability to interpret that data. Mm. So I think we do see some organisations will say, oh, we've bought this tool in-house, but actually they don't use it because you, you really need an analyst and someone who's quite skilled at crunching the data but then analysing it and interpreting it and helping to determine what does that mean and then developing mm. outcomes and, and a strategy around that data. So it's just like with big data. Data is, is in abundance. It's yeah. a question about have you got the capability and the resources to do something with it. Yeah, the, the hierarchy is uh, data is the, you know, the ones and the zeros, mm. the, the bits of information, but then collect them together, you start to get information. Mm. Then if you analyse it and you get insights, that's knowledge. Mm. And over time, knowledge will build to wisdom. Mm. Yeah, but that's a definite process. The data itself will not solve any problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you'll just drown in it before you actually learn to swim. Absolutely. And even having the insight and the wisdom, you still need to have the resources to implement any strategy mm. that might be developed. So, you know, it's a process, but it definitely means that there's a lot more intelligence to be had if, if people are open to it. So it's just given me a, a thought on where we started, where we talked about the CEO. In some ways, if the CEO starts to acknowledge and perhaps use social media as a way of building their profile, becoming the face of the corporation. It sends a message throughout the organisation that you know, this is a very important part of the business, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, there's so many reasons I believe it's useful for CEOs to have a social profile and that it's everything from what it signals to how open you are to hearing what people have to say it signals that you're forward thinking and you know you you're future facing as an organization and as an individual because it is a new world of communication and it also means you've got a, an audience that you can communicate with um, should you want to mm -hmm. and and hopefully those those people do want to um, I think there's an expectation in today's world that people we do business with are open to hearing what we've got to say and are transparent and are trustworthy and are honest. And I think knowing the individual that heads up an organisation through them talking through social media does help to give a sense of them being open, honest and human. Well, let's hope that we see a trend towards more of our CEOs um, becoming the face of their organisations. Thanks for your time, Susie. My pleasure. Thanks, Darren.